0: It's time to heed the call of the wild and seek the higher calling. Higher Calling is the voice of mountain and forest wildlife and is hosted by award-winning wildlife journalist and conservationist, Chester Moore. Be ready for an increase in altitude and a relentless pursuit of the creatures that dwell there. Welcome to the Higher Calling. This is Chester Moore. In our continuing coverage of the COVID-19 coronavirus issue we have from the Dallas Safari Club, Mr. Corey Mason, the executive director, and we're going to be talking about all the issues, how this is impacting hunters around the world, as well as wildlife conservation. Corey, I know that this situation is having a global impact, obviously, but the hunting industry and conservation are also feeling the heat as well. So let's start with asking, how is this impacting the Dallas Safari Club and its affiliates?
1: Yeah, good question, man. Chester, it just really is impacting all of our members and partners, conservation agencies and organizations that we work with, essentially, but the very most simply broken down by uh, creating some concern and keeping people from getting in the great outdoors. If their trips are uh, to Canada for a spring hunt or spring fishing trip or to Australia, New Zealand or upcoming trips to Africa, creating some concern for travel and thus ultimately dollars going to conservation efforts in the field.
0: Yeah, and that's really the ticket right there. Dollars going to conservation efforts in the field, what all this is about. Looking at events like the Ducks Unlimited Expo coming up in the DFW area, uh, the local, state, and chapter banquets of different organizations from the Mule Theater Foundation to um, all the different DU and Delta Waterfowl National Wild Turkey Federation cancellations. Uh, there's no question that this year there's going to be less money here in North America at that level going into wildlife conservation.
1: There will be. You know, hunters contribute 60 plus percent to state conservation agency budgets through PR and direct license and stamp fees and far more are equal to that. Uh, that effort comes from our conservation organizations and partners, partners, many of which you just represented. When their annual banquets or chapter events uh, have a less attendance or decreased attendance or ultimately in some cases now, unfortunately canceled. Those dollars that are going to the prairie in Canada for, for duck restoration and grassland research um, and conservation to mule deer projects and conservation corridors in the West and all those kind of things, they're all compromised. And so it will be incumbent and dependent on hunters to continue to get out there, be in the field and support these efforts
0: how is it impacting the Dallas Safari Club? Because you guys also have chapters as well. You know, you've grown out and have these chapter banquets and different things like that. Uh, how is it impacting you right now? Are you kind of shielded a little bit because you've already had your big event for the year?
1: Yeah, you know, we've had our big annual convention, which occurs in January, and we're very fortunate and blessed that that occurred when it did. Uh, but we do have chapter events that are occurring through the spring. And so we had a a couple of bang-up events at the very beginning that were wildly successful, and then we had a couple most recently that attendance was greatly compromised, uh, and then, then we have another event actually coming up this weekend that's been canceled, um, and we have member events coming up, or we have a big war shoot, we have monthly meetings, and all these things are essentially just suspended, uh, not indefinitely, but will be delayed, obviously depending on what the science tells us and the professionals tells us that we we can hold those events if that's going to be in may or june or wherever it is and so yeah so there's some direct uh direct fiscal contribution and impact to dsc but most importantly it's those organizations in which we work directly with like for example i'm supposed to be in british columbia in a couple of days for their guide outfitters Mm -hmm. association of british columbia meeting which is their annual meeting where they do general business with their association as well as their fundraiser Mm -hmm. and they raise funds for their staff to support them and represent them with their government level and that's been canceled this year. And
0: so those kind of efforts dramatically impact our conservation partners and ultimately us as well. Yeah. But you know, we got to find a way for hunters to get inspired and kind of maybe use this moment in my opinion, anyway, to go back to the origins of what hunters have done for America. I think a lot of times because we're so spoiled here in America that a lot of hunters just go hunting. They know it helps. They know conservation. Maybe they support Dallas Safari Club or maybe they support the National Wild Turkey Federation But maybe not understand that in the beginning, you know, there wouldn't be a Yellowstone. There wouldn't be a National Park System, a National Forest Service, hunting licenses, game wardens. If it weren't for hunters voluntarily working toward this. And I think this moment, hopefully this passes over soon, but if it's a little bit longer, can be a moment where we can kind of get back to the origins of this, take that money out of our pocket, support these groups, although the banquet might have got canceled, and take a little more pride in our conservation efforts.
1: Absolutely. You know, hunters are the greatest and the purest and the strongest conservationists that have, that have been out there in the past and will continue to be out there. Again, self-imposing taxes on ourselves in the 1930s to ensure a consistent and reliable source of funding for state conservation agencies to then ensure in North America that we have a reliable source of conservation is something that hunters should be unbelievably proud of. And then all these great organizations that you've mentioned, Mueller Foundation, RMEF, Limited DSC, all these other organizations that are out there that are supported on the backs of hunters that do additional work in additionally to what the hunters have already paid for with state game and fish agencies. So there's plenty of opportunities out there for sportsmen, hunters, anglers, fishers, everything to get out there and support these agencies and organizations to ensure that dollars reach the field where they have to get to ensure that that a landowner ensures that they're maintaining habitat for wild turkey or quail and that. That person that's leasing that concession in Canada can continue to make those payments to do that. And they're incumbent upon and relying on North American hunters' dollars to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you look at the the, the situation with wild sheep in America, which I write a lot about. I've never hunted a sheep. I can't afford to hunt a sheep. I'm hoping to draw one of these places. I don't have to have – I send out applications every year, but (laughs) keep getting denied. Uh, But I photograph sheep. You know, and it's interesting. I went to the Sheep Foundation's event. They have a thing called the Less Than One Club for those of us who never killed a wild sheep. And there were three thousand people almost that showed up at this that event alone. Of they haven't killed a sheep yet, they may never kill a sheep, but they support sheep conservation and that's right i think that is such a tribute to what's going on because sheep are unique situation in that there's not enough of them to have regular hunter license fees pay for their conservation so we have to auction off the the tags to, to you know to wealthy hunters and things like that and you get these incredible auction bidding wars and this money going back so there's a great moment to celebrate and what's going on but you mentioned something about like a hunter having to pay for that concession uh you know, just because some spring bear hunts in Canada are getting canceled doesn't mean they don't have to pay for that. And then you look across the pond over at Africa, it's the same thing over there, but maybe even more dire because of the basic impoverished nature of much of Africa.
1: And the anti-poaching efforts in Africa can never stop. So the revenue stream that is relied upon from typically the hunter base, the hunter you know concession fees that are paid to the to the outfitter, professional hunter, to go to Africa to hunt. Those dollars are heavily relied on to pay staff, but also to pay anti-poaching staff that that work year-round. They're protecting game, non-game species of endangered fish and, and threatens threatened fish, and and trees and timber theft and all those kinds of things. In the absence of a PH occupying that landscape and having hunters out there, it is one hundred percent occupied by those that are there to do harm to the landscape, and so. Those bills don't stop, and that's one of the things in which we're continuing to encourage people to call us this time of year and say, hey, I'm concerned about some travel issues. You know what? That's 100% legitimate. Number one, make sure you're in constant contact with your PH or guide outfitter. They will give you locally relevant information. And number two, if the timing doesn't work out because of a delay, please postpone that trip. Don't cancel it.
0: Yeah, keep that uh, keep that money in the pipeline there. And just a, just one more little point on Africa. You know, I think people used to poaching in America, which can get ugly. We have our ugly situations. I think they're used to, you know, you know, some teenage boys with a keg of beer running around spotlighting deer at night, which is bad enough. But in Africa, you have the bushmeat trade, which is snaring and killing anything from a chimpanzee to a, you know, to a giraffe to to feed people. And then you've got like, you know, mafia and terror sects actually benefiting from, you know, going in and getting rhino horn and and elephant ivory. So I think it's a people need to know there's a different level over there. And maybe this is a moment to spotlight that and say, hey, let's keep something going over there and helping these guys out.
1: That's exactly right. You know, we can be very proud as hunter conservationists to look at, you know, I can very quickly point a course through, Conservation anti poaching efforts that happen in Africa from DSC to the DSC Foundation that fund some of the most absolutely just conservation turning uh, landscapes over there into some of the most productive landscapes in in Zimbabwe or Tanzania or Namibia, wherever you want, whatever really country you want to pick out to look at the the successes that has come from having a constant presence on a landscape to fund anti poaching. And like you say, that that takes many different uh, uh, views and that can be from simply stopping someone that went out there to take bushmeat uh, are those that are well-organized poaching syndicates that are like a, a well-trained army, and some of them are, that are there to go in under the cover of darkness or with dog teams or wherever it might be to take elephant, rhino, etc. So our people, conservationist hunters, are responsible for funding that, have continued to fund that, and will continue to fund
0: it. Well, in terms of, uh, you know, we're approaching basically the best time of year for a lot of New Zealand for the deer hunting. We have Africa, the prime times of May through August coming up. So I know there's a lot of a lot of questions on what's going to go on right there. But your advice is, if you can, don't cancel, postpone and to not just get informed by your Facebook or your Twitter, get informed by actually talking to people on the ground.
1: That's it. Number one, stay in contact with your representative wherever you're headed. Again, if it's New Zealand or Australia or Africa, Canada, wherever it might be, stay in contact with that outfitter because I assure you they're going to be well informed in what the government is imposing there on incoming tourists. So always good like, open communication.
0: Yeah, and I always like to sort of wrap things up with something very, very positive because I'm a positive kind of guy. What What is a, something going on in America right now? Maybe the Dallas Safari Club's involved in that is a big plus for wildlife. That is a big plus for hunters.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the Wild Sheep Foundation, and Dallas Safari Club has a great relationship with wild sheep, and they're a great organization. They do good work here, um, and you know a couple of the things that are really uh, just really heartwarming type projects here in North America, which DSC, DSC Foundation, and Wild Sheep are working collectively on, or some re repatriation of wild sheep projects in the West and some of New Mexico. And these were restoring wild sheep to ranges that were formerly occupied, but for various reasons from livestock farming or whatever it might be, uh, sheep were removed from the landscape. Mm -hmm. And through uh, landscape restoration and then conservation efforts, bringing a consortium of large landowners together to ensure that sheep then have free run of those mountain ranges uh, under a safe way. Uh, we are restoring sheep in some of those mountain ranges, and it's a great project. We just most recently in the project in Mexico released a hundredth sheep, uh huge conservation success, again, working with Wild Sheep Foundation. So, number one, good things going on there, and number two, these conservation organizations such as DSD and Wild Sheep working together to get it done.
0: Yeah, I think that collaborative effort is incredibly, incredibly important. I've got to take part in numerous turkey releases this year and seeing the National Wild Turkey Federation working with Texas Parks and Wildlife and uh, NWTF there uh, funding the boxes they move them in, paying for the travel. Texas Parks and Wildlife taking that Upland Bird stamp fee and getting the turkeys from North Carolina or Missouri. That collaborative effort to do great things for wildlife. And uh, and that's going to end up benefiting the hunter, you know, because this is eastern turkeys in the Piney Woods of East Texas. And about two weeks, I'm going to be sitting out on the ground being terrorized by mosquitoes trying to call one of them boogers in. <laughs> that's right. You know,
1: and another great point of that is if it's through NWTF or through Parks and Wildlife, hunters paid
0: 100 percent of that. That's yeah, It's a beautiful thing, you know. Uh, has DSC been involved any with these uh, tr- uh, travel, the wildlife corridor issues in terms of the migration issues?
1: We have from a legislative standpoint.
0: Yeah, so uh, can you explain just a little bit about that to the listeners out there? Because I think that's fascinating, especially what's going on with like the mule deer travel corridor there in Wyoming.
1: You bet. So uh, working with partners such as Mule Deer Foundation and others, uh, recognizing the large landscapes in which these species occupy, you know, on the western landscape in which there's winter rain, and summer rain, these, these species move, some of them hundreds of miles, uh, to cover uh, and reach appropriate wintering grounds, uh, ensuring, so working through the legislative standpoint, uh, connected corridors, uh, while suitable wildlife habitat together, working through the legislative front and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Forest Service, BLM, et cetera, ensuring that those landscapes have continuity so that those wildlife species have the ability to migrate north and south, east and west, Uh, Not in the sense of a bird, but in the sense of a large ungulate migrating Mm -hmm. as winter conditions and food availability determine and dictate the ability to ensure that those corridors are maintained as available wildlife habitat.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful thing because I think those of us who live maybe in parts of Texas or live out toward on the East Coast, we don't know really about you know large ungulate migration because there basically is none. But out yeah. West, it's a completely different landscape, completely different way, and these larger habitats are very, very important. Well, Corey, we thank you so much for being on Higher Calling. How can people learn more about the Dallas Safari Club?
1: Yeah, we'd be happy to visit with them. They can go to our website, biggame.org. Uh, There's all our contact information. Love to have the opportunity to visit with them about our conservation project, our foundation, our frontline foundation, and just be able to inform them and give them the information they need to be empowered to reach out, contact legislators, and just be that voice for the hunters and sportsman.
0: We appreciate it, Corey. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to The Higher Calling, hosted by the wildlife journalist Chester Moore. Contact him at Chester at ChesterMore.com. Follow him at the on Instagram and his blog at highercalling.net.